Well, greetings to each one this morning. It is a wonderful thing to be gathered together again as a body of believers worshiping our Savior. I was blessed this morning in the songs that Brent led and the devotional that Matt shared. We wouldn't be gathered together this morning if God's word did not still stand, right? If God's word was not still the authority in our lives. So even though God's word was written many years ago, it still applies to us today. It gives us guidance for life. And that is a wonderful blessing that we have to have God's word written in our language. We can read it. We can do the best we can to understand how God wants us to live and do the best we can to apply the biblical teachings to our everyday life. This morning, I would like to start a book study uh, in in the book of James. So you can turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1. So I have not done many book studies. In fact, it was only First and Second Peter that I had preached through a few years ago. Went through the Sermon on the Mount soon after I was ordained. And book studies are good for me. They're a blessing in some ways and knowing that, you know, I, I know where the next message will go. You know, I, I plan to continue preaching through James. Not sure if every message here on will be in James for, I mean, until I finish it, depending on on how things go. I want to follow the spirit as I go through this book. But Lord willing, I want to preach through the book of James. The title that I've given the message this morning is Persevering Through Trials. I'd like to look at the first 12 verses this morning. I don't know how many messages will come from the book of James. It's a short book, only five chapters. So persevering through trials. How many of you like trials? (laughs) Raise your hand if you like trials. Trials aren't always fun, or usually aren't fun, right? But, they're part of life, right? Or can someone raise their hand that has never been through a trial in their life? Never been through a hardship? Throughout life, we experience many hardships. And I still, I remember reading this one day that either we just went through a hardship, or we're in a hardship, or we're about to go into a hardship, (laughs) Life uh, tends to be full of trials, some greater than others. But thinking about persevering through trials. So just a little bit of an introduction to the book of James. Maybe I'll say this about trials yet. So trials can either draw us closer to God or maybe draw us further away from God. It really depends on how we... Uh, handle the trials that we face even in society so i thought of you know if if there's a big tragedy you know maybe even in the u.s 9-11 for example so this great tragedy happened the twin towers were destroyed what happened the following sundays churches throughout america started getting fuller this is at large. More people started attending church. At least it was for a time. It was looks like it was fairly somewhat short-lived. But a difficulty, a hardship, it drew people or it, it caused people, some people, to go to church that generally didn't go to church. So trials can be many times or are many times for or can be for our good. So introduction to the book of James. 
So the author is James, likely the half-brother of Jesus. And half-brother means that, so Joseph and Mary. Mary was Joseph's biological mother, but Jesus, or the reason James was a half-brother of Jesus and not a full brother was, you know, Jesus' father, well, he was conceived of the Holy Ghost. So James, there's several different men in the Bible with a name James, and actually two of Jesus' disciples were named James, but James, the half-brother of Jesus, was not one of Jesus' disciples. So it was written around AD 49. It may have been a few years prior to that. We don't know exactly when it was written. Thinking about James some more, one thing that was interesting, so... Even though James would have grew up with Jesus, or Jesus would have been an older brother to James, Jesus' brothers, even during his earthly ministry, were not really followers of Jesus. And maybe that's hard to believe that Jesus' own brothers wouldn't have, you know, worshipped him and knew that he was God's son. It was maybe part of it, like, this is, this is my brother. They knew Jesus very well. And Jesus talked about a prophet is not received in his hometown or something like that. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. It was not until after the resurrection of Jesus, after Jesus died and he resurrected, that Jesus revealed himself to James, his brother. And I believe, well, somewhere along the lines, maybe, maybe at the time of his appearing after the resurrection, that James was convinced that Jesus was not just an ordinary brother. I would think he had to see signs of that prior to that, but James became a follower of Jesus, became a very devoted follower. He became a leader in the church at Jerusalem, and he had a significant impact on the Jewish church in the beginning of the early church. I also thought it was interesting, history, reading some extra biblical facts about James that is recorded. It is said that James spent so much time on his knees in prayer that his knees became calloused like a camel's knee. So thinking about James from not being a follower of Jesus, his own brother, to later surrendering his life to him, becoming a leader in the church, and it is said that his knees became so callous they were of, of a camel's, like a camel's knee. So James realized how important prayer was. It is also, or thinking a little bit about the book of James, I mentioned already, it's a short book. It's about it's five chapters long, and it can be read in about 20 minutes. It's a really good book to read through in just one sitting. It's easily doable and adds so much reading it in context, at least for me as I read through it this week. It's good to read it through. It, he talks about a, numerous subjects in there, and for a for sermons, it's hard to know how to put a sermon together with different topics in there. So like I said, I'm not exactly sure how many sermons it will end up being. The book of James is not so much a train of thought as it is a string of pearls. And I like that. Some of what I'm going to share this morning comes from Harold Martin's commentary. And that this was one of them in there. It's not so much a train of thought as it is a string of pearls. James was, or I'll just read verse 1 here. 
It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. So King James says, a servant of God. If you read the New King James, it says a bondservant. And I like that word bondservant. That word bondservant means just a willing servant or a servant fully committed, a servant for life. Some time ago, I preached a message about the master and slave relationships back in the Old Testament. And when the seventh year came around, the servant had the opportunity to go free from his master. But if he loved his master, he could have his ear bored through with an awl, marking him a servant for life. Thinking about a bond servant, a servant that is fully committed for life. And James referred to him himself as a bond servant, a willing servant for life. Again, thinking about the devotion and submission that he had to Jesus, his master. Also, some extra biblical facts. So James was later martyred for his faith. And I read it was what we have recorded some from Josephus records that James was pushed off a, a temple wall. They pushed him off to kill him. His people that were the people that were angry with James, they pushed him down. The pushing him off the wall didn't kill him. They started stoning him, and it is said they finished him off by taking a club and a, a hard blow to the head. Just a, a very gory death that James experienced. But thinking about a servant, a bond servant, fully committed to Jesus, went from not not believing in Jesus to just being surrendered to Him. So thinking about persevering through trials. I believe James taught from his own experiences or knew what it's like to go through hardships and trials. And it was A.D. 62 when James was martyred for his faith. Also noteworthy, it is recorded that as the stones were hitting James, as he was being killed, he prayed out and cried to God to to forgive the ones throwing the stones for they know not what they do. A very similar prayer that Jesus prayed as he was dying on the cross. A similar prayer to what Stephen prayed as the stones were being thrown to him. So, very remarkable legacy that James left. Also, it was written, as verse 1 tells us, to a scattered group. Written to 12 scattered tribes. And this was likely written to ethnic Israel. The church was somewhat scattered and then experienced persecution. And James was writing to the, the nation of Israel, the early church here. The Jews were scattered over the Gentile world outside the boundaries of Palestine. That's who he was writing to. As Matt shared in the devotional about the, the promises that we have in God's word. So even though James was written to the Jewish church, but we know it still applies to us today. We can read the book of James and apply the teachings for our own lives. Also, I want to read these verses here shortly. I want to read through verse 12. But one thing I'll note before reading, the King James Version uses the word temptations multiple times in these 12 verses. That word temptation is maybe better translated trials. It really means trials. But then 
13, verse 13, there's a couple of verses there when then James switches from not so much the trials or the hardships, but about temptation as, you know, enticement to do evil. So there is a two different uh, words here that are the meanings of temptation here. And I plan to look at trials, like I said, the first 12 verses here this morning. So I'm going to read these verses. I read already read verse 1. I'll start here at verse 2 and go through 12. And I want you to think about, as I'm reading, about thinking about trials and how we should approach trials, what we are to do when we go through difficult times. James said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, or that really means when you fall into various trials, knowing this, that by the trying of your faith, Worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing or lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not or meaning he giveth to all men liberally without reproach and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. But the rich in that he is made low, because of the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Now, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation or that endureth trials, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Verse 12 there ends with a promise. He shall receive the crown of life. And we'll look at that throughout the message here, Lord willing. So, a bit of an introduction there. And I want to look at three points this morning from these verses. The first one is response to trials and what our response should be when we face trials. And then secondly, resources for facing trials. And then thirdly, rewards for persevering through trials. So they all start with our our response resources, and then rewards. And here is what I want to drive home this morning. I want us to seek God through our trials because trials have the ability to strengthen our faith. Do we all want a stronger faith? Well, sometimes I believe if we ask God for stronger faith, maybe he will allow trials to come into our lives to strengthen our faith. Daryl talked about that some in last week's, as we were studying the Sunday school lesson, he shared from his own personal experience. And I have here, trials have the ability to strengthen our faith. It really comes down to our response to the trials, response to the hardships. I remember talking to a man some time ago, witnessing to him and he was a very I could tell pretty quickly he was very bitter towards God 
for allowing some, I think it was the death of his child or his wife. I don't recall exactly. I'm sure it was extremely difficult time for him. But out of that, he grew bitter towards God rather than having his faith strengthened. So, so much of it has to do with our response to the trials. What I would like to do here quickly is just read a few of these verses from the English Standard Version. Uh, Some of the words here in the King James make it a little bit harder to understand, but I'll just read the verse, the first five verses. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it it will be given him. I'll just stop there, thinking about our response and how we should approach trials when we go through them. So moving to the first point, response, and thinking about how do we respond to trials. Now, James says, he uses the word in verse two, he says, when, when you fall into various or when you experience various trials, he doesn't say if, I think trials are just part of the life. And I don't think trials are just for the believer. There's trials come to both the unbeliever and the believer. We all go through difficult times. So it's more when, not so much if, we're going to experience trials. So how does James say we should approach trials? What should be our response? I'd like to hear from you. Count it all joy. Do you love trials? <laughs> Are you just joyful through your trials? I have two pictures I want to put up here this morning. Which describes you when you face a trial? Just get our minds thinking a little bit. So we might feel like the first picture there, just like, oh, no. And a lot has maybe with the severity of the the trial. There's some greater trials or greater hardships than others. Or do we just say, yes. Now, I don't think we need to really, you know, try to, to match the guy just like so joyful. But recognizing that even through these trials, something good can come out of them. And it really comes down to my attitude towards it or our attitude towards it. And we can be joyful in that God can do a good work in my life. I can take joy in the fact that God can bring good out of every trial. Also, the word... Divers temptations really means various or many colors, like many different types of trials. And Harold Martin pointed this out in his commentary. He said this includes physical, domestic, and financial. So just thinking maybe broaden our minds a little bit of what all trials can be. Maybe just some examples. It could be health issues. Sometimes we face things with our health that can be a real trial, can be a hardship to go through. The death of a loved one. Maybe it's shattered dreams. We had our goals set on doing something or maybe buying something and it just fell apart and it's a difficulty that we're experiencing. Maybe financial loss. 
maybe a huge bill that we were not expecting, a job loss, whatever it may be. These things can be trials. Maybe rejection. Rejection maybe even by friends or persecution. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, count it all, well, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but we can go through persecution and be joyful that we are worthy to suffer for Christ. Another type of trial. Jesus said, the reward or in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, when you, we can rejoice when we face persecution. He said, great is your reward in heaven. So, again, thinking about our response, James said, count it all joy. And I want to look here at verses 3 and 4 in the approach that we should have to trials. So thinking about our response, how should we respond? And as it was already mentioned, count it all joy. Thinking about that a little bit. So being joyful through trials is opposite of our human nature, right? It's easy to get discouraged or look like the first guy in the picture, just all down and out when trials come. But again, thinking about trials as an opportunity and maybe Paul and Silas as an example, they could have been pretty discouraged when they were thrown in prison for sharing the gospel. They could have been thinking, God, we were doing your work. Like, why did you allow us to go through this? Maybe we go through some things in life where we think we're where we are doing the Lord's work. We're doing good things and we're doing it with right attitudes. And yet trials come. And it's in those times where it can be very discouraging, like, why God? And yet Paul and Silas, they chose to sing and to praise God at midnight and something miraculous happened. And the jailer ended up being saved from the result of Paul and Silas worshiping God in spite of trial. And that's just a beautiful example of God allowing trials but bringing good out of them. And again, thinking about James, some of the things that he was facing in life, he don't list specific things of the trials that he went through, but knowing that he died the death of a martyr, he obviously went through persecution, went through trials, and James said, count it all joy. So why be joyful through trials? And I just wrote a few things down here that I'd like to look at. The first one is trials purify faith. I should have put in the trials purify our faith. They can have a purifying effect on our life. So when things go well in our life, when we're not experiencing trials, we can live as though we don't really need God, at least for myself. Not that I would, I still pray to God, go to God in prayer, worship God, and yet... When everything's going easy, in a sense, I don't really maybe need God as I should. Trials should bring us to our knees. It should cause us to go to God in prayer and to look to him for strength through the trial. So I believe hardships are the test that reveal if we truly trust in God. When we experience trials, when we experience hardship, and it just... Throws us, throws us for, with the curveball or we get all distraught, maybe it's a revealer that we're not really trusting God as we should. So trials can purify our faith. And then as James wrote here, 
knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So trials produce patience. The Greek word translated patience has the idea of steadfastness or endurance, meaning to keep on keeping on. So trials producing patience, trials producing something good in our lives, thinking about endurance. So the local races are coming up, the Cool Cracker and the Ringtown 5K, and I'm sure there's many of you running, practicing for it. I shouldn't say sure. I'm hoping some of you are practicing or will be practicing. For me, it still will be. I want to start soon. But we practice so that we can endure, so we have more endurance for race day. We gear up for the race, and trials can produce patience or endurance can help us continue on through life to keep on keeping on. And then also, trials perfect character. James says here, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. So trials can, again, thinking about the work that they, uh, the, the good that they can do. They can perfect character. The word perfect in verse 4 speaks about full growth or maturity of character. Trials are intended for us to grow and become more Christ-like or made complete, lacking nothing. And David, not going to look at scripture, uh, an example of him, but there were many times where David was running for his life and yet I believe David was a good example, is, is a good example of just placing his faith in God, trusting in him in spite of the hardship. The perfecting work that trials, or the perfecting character that trials can bring. Also, as I was studying for this, I think there's some unhealthy ways to view trials as well. Sometimes we might have a tendency to think that, you know, God is punishing me. And I think, or I believe, when we are facing trials, when we're going through difficulty, it should bring us to our knees. So James had callous knees many times where he went to God in prayer. We should ask God to search our hearts. Is, is God trying to reveal something to, to me? Is he wanting me to change? But I believe an unhealthy view is a view that is always that God is just punishing me or maybe... God is angry at me, so he's making me go through these things. I don't think that's always the case. I think whatever trial we're going through, I think God can still bring about a good work. But I don't think it's always that God is, you know, punishing. Hebrews talks about God disciplining those he loves. So there is a part of that at times. But to always have that view that God is angry at me and every trial I face, it's just God's anger being poured out. Well, God loves us. God does chasten those who... He loves, but I don't think it's a healthy attitude to always have that God is angry. An example would be of Job. There was a spiritual warfare going on there where God and Satan were talking. And every trial or hardship we go through, I like to think of it like this, as God filters them. So Satan wants us to give up during the, during the trials. He wants us to give up in the hardship. But every trial or hardship we face, I believe, God makes us a, God gives us the strength to go through. 
We need to cry out to him. But there's a filter that Satan doesn't have full access to our lives. God, at least the picture I get from Job anyway, God, uh, God and Satan in conversation. God allowed Job to go through those things, but it was Satan the one that was really bringing the trials. God can still bring good through them. So through those trials, sometimes we can just ask the question, like, why? Why God? And we want to know the why. And I don't feel it's wrong to, at times, ask God why. But sometimes, I don't think on this, on this earth, I don't think we'll ever fully understand the why. But recognizing that God can still bring good out of the trials. Another example I want to look at quickly is Fanny Crosby. So, and... The second to last song, I believe, that Brent led this morning was written by Fanny Crosby. Oh, the pure delight to spend a single hour in prayer was written by Fanny. Now, I I know I talked about Fanny before, but I'm just so impressed by her life. At six weeks old, a doctor caused her to go blind by his carelessness or maybe lack of knowing exactly how to care for her. She went blind at six weeks of age. She wrote this poem that I would like to read. She said, Oh, what a happy soul am I, although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world contended I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. Fanny had a, maybe, a right, as some people would say, to be angry or to be a a miserable lady. But she chose to go through life being content with her lot in life. And I think through the trials that we face, we need to learn to, well, persevere, but also just to go through them, cry out to God, and just to trust Him. So I believe Fanny had a proper attitude towards trials. We can face trials with joy because God is at work. Now, I need to keep moving here. Secondly, resources for facing trials. I noted a few here. Wisdom. So James talks about, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally. I believe, before, as I would read this verse, if any of you lack wisdom, I would... You know, let him ask of God. God will give us wisdom. But I believe it's a lot of in context with suffering. When we suffer, when we're going through trials, there's many times we need wisdom. We need to go to God in prayer. So ask for wisdom. Go to God and ask for wisdom. Wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. That was a quote from Bill Gothard. Wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. Another way to say it is wisdom is good common sense about spiritual matters. One with wisdom can evaluate things. And again, when facing trials, we do need wisdom. Pray in faith. We are to ask in faith without wavering. Prayer is only effective when we ask in faith. We must believe that God is able. Now, we don't, when we pray, I don't think that we can always just, whatever we ask, that God will grant our wish, because sometimes our will and God's 
will don't always align, but we recognize that God is able. And James says God will give us wisdom, give wisdom to those who ask in faith. And he gives the example of, in verse 6, about the nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Thinking about, or picturing a, maybe the ocean on a windy day, you see the waves crashing and going back and forth. That gives a picture of a, a man that's asking without faith. He's wavering. Verse, verse 8, we cannot be double-minded. We don't just try God. Some people would say, well, I tried God and it didn't work. Or God, it, he didn't work for me. Maybe he works for you, but not for me. Well, God isn't something to be tried. Sometimes we try products or women try a recipe we can't take the same approach of that with God. We don't just try him, but we come before him in faith. We pray in faith. So ask in faith without wavering. I'm going to move here quickly for the sake of time, but verses 9 through 11 talk about the poor man and the rich man. And as people, we can put people on different platforms. You know, the, the, the poor, the wealthy, we have different categories. But to God, they're all equal. Both the poor man and the rich man need God. And the riches that, the, that we accumulate or that we have, we, we have that maybe that tendency to trust in them sometimes. But we cannot, through trials, those uh, riches sometimes maybe are taken from us. We need to be brought low or to be brought down and to seek God, to trust him, to pray in faith. It talks about the grass and the flower fading under the hot sun. Matt talked about the beautiful weather. It is gorgeous weather, the sun shining, but we're coming to a time as dry as it's getting. The grass, the crops in the fields are soon going to wither and fade away from the, from the hot sun if, if moisture does not come. And giving the example of the riches, you know, their, the wealth accumulations, that's going to fade away. God's word stands. We need to come before God, ask for wisdom, and we need to pray in faith. Now, thirdly, rewards for persevering through trials. I'd like to look at this quickly. Blessed is the man that endures. People that face trials God's way or go through trials and ask for wisdom, pray in faith, they will be rewarded. I have a few things I wrote down here and inner blessedness now. If we can go through trials, recognizing that God can bring good out of them, recognizing that we can be made more complete, we can be perfected through the trials, we can experience peace. We can experience inner joy. So what happens when people become angry at God through trials? Where do they go? Who is there to turn to? They end up becoming bitter people. They have, they have no one to really turn to through the trials. But we can rest that God can still bring good out of them. We can have an inner blessedness or an inner peace through the trial. And then... Secondly, I wrote down a stronger faith in God. And this comes by, again, 
going to him in prayer, asking God for wisdom. Our faith can be in, increased. God will give us strength through every trial. Thomas Watson has said, A sick bed often teaches more than a sermon. Thinking about trials bringing greater faith, a stronger faith, a sick bed often teaches more than a sermon. Maybe some of you can relate to that. Going through experience of or a hardship or sickness where you experience, where that taught you more than most sermons. And then another one I wrote down, oh, I have it up here. A sick bed often teaches more than a sermon. Another one I wrote down, a crown of life. Thinking about the rewards for persevering through trials. We can experience life everlasting. This is reserved for those who cry out to God, those who ask in faith, ask for wisdom, those who persevere through trials, they can experience everlasting life where eternal life with with Jesus, where there will be no trials, where there will be no hardships, no suffering. They can experience an eternal crown. So, in conclusion, thinking of persevering through trials, some of you are probably going through trials right now, maybe some more extreme than others. But I want us to remember that trials are can increase our faith, can strengthen us. For those of you who aren't going through trials, we don't know what the future holds, and this is almost scary to think about. But maybe good for us not to know what the future holds. But we can rest assured, whatever comes our way, if we take the approach that James has given us, when the trials come, we can count it all joy, or we can be at peace, knowing that the trying of our faith worketh patience or builds endurance, that we can be perfected as we go through the trials. Again, thinking about response, my question is to us, to you, What is your response when trials come? How will you respond? And then resources. Where do you go when trials come? Do you go to financial resources? Do you go to earthly things? Or do you go to God? Cry out to him for strength. Do you cry out to him for wisdom? We have resources to go to. And then thirdly, the rewards. We will be rewarded both in this life, I believe, and eternal life. This life, we can have peace through the trials. No, it's not going to be easy, but we can rest in the, in the work that God is doing. And again, thinking about the why, I don't fully understand all the trials that some people face. And some people face much greater trials than others. A lot of things that we will never understand. And I know some of you could share Stories from personal experiences of great trials that you went through. But thinking about persevering through trials, we can do it as we seek God through our trials because trials have the ability to strengthen our faith. Again, thinking about they have the ability, it comes up to or comes down to our choice and how we are going to respond to trials. So, Lord willing, next message I want to start at verse 13. I'm not sure if we'll get through the first chapter or not, but it's going to shift a little bit from thinking about trials, more of temptations as that uh, 
inner temptation for that bent to do evil or that uh, temptation to do evil. We'll, Lord willing, look at that the next message. So thank you for your attention. I pray that as you go throughout the week, whatever trials you face, remember James and his teaching on how to persevere through trials. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and I thank you again for your written word, how it instructs us, even though or it instructs us today, even though it was written many years ago. Thank you for godly men like James, who, in spite of all the suffering that they went through, they were faithful unto the end. And I pray for each one of us here this morning, whatever trials we face, whatever trials we are going through, I pray that you would empower us to persevere. I pray that we would cry out to you for wisdom. And I pray that our faith could be strengthened through every trial that we face and that we would not sur- or that we would not uh, fall to the temptations that the enemy brings us, but that we would persevere through every difficulty, every hardship we face. Pray that you would be with the remaining of the service, guide each one that they as they take part. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.